0: Well, good evening. Good to see you here tonight. Treasure, thankful opportunity to be together. Uh, I know it sounds like there's quite a few out sick. Uh, we've got one in our house, our youngest, so I was home with him this morning, so my wife could be here, and we traded spots tonight. So, uh, But again, let's be in prayer for those uh, that aren't able to be here. As was mentioned this morning, I have had the opportunity since we've been here the last four years or so Uh, to do some traveling and helping churches a couple of churches right now that i'm working with that need pastors one in port huron uh, that i've been working with for about a year now and then uh, one that i just recently got in contact with in east lansing Uh, they're also looking for uh, a pastor and uh, so be in prayer for these churches as have opportunity to help fill in while they're looking Uh, and again I pray for my family as well. My kids, the the hardest part of it is the drive, right? Uh, As we drive to these places, uh, these East Lansing, Port Huron, about an hour and a half one way or so, hour and 15 to hour and a half, so that's a lot of time in the car on a Sunday. And of course, uh, they have friends and family here, so when you think of three hours in the car versus being here, you know, it's just kind of, that's a challenge for them, so pray for them. As they uh, work uh, through that, as we have opportunity to minister and to serve. But take your Bibles this evening. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And hopefully we can turn this towards the idea um, of Thanksgiving in our hearts as we look uh, at this week and what lies before us. But we are going to look at verses 1 through 16. Of Matthew chapter 1, and if you're there and you start looking through that, you see that that's a genealogy. Like, how can we be thankful for what we see there? And again, this is the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do is walk through and highlight, uh, as we have opportunity here tonight, some of the folks that are listed in this genealogy and remind ourselves, even... Of the history, right? Not all the histories here. We just have name after name after name. We're going to talk about not everyone in the genealogy, but some of these examples that highlight the reality of God's grace in bringing salvation to us that's evident even in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And how is that? How will we see that? Again, that's kind of the angle we're going to go at it from to help breathe some life into this. But I'll first put you to sleep, all right? Let's read these verses, all right? Verses 1 through 16, Matthew chapter 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brothers. And Judas begat Phares, and Zara, and Tamar, and Phares begat Ezra. And Ezra begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat uh, Nason. And Nason begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rakob, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias, And Solomon begat Re- Reboam, and Reboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, and Asa begat jo- jo- Josaphat, and Josaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Ozias. And Ozias begat Jotham, and Jotham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias. And Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias. And Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren. about the time, they were carried away to Babylon. Wow, quite a bit of history, if you're thinking a little bit, that we've covered already. So we're in verse 12, if you're still following along. all right. And after they were brought to Babylon... Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begat Abiad, and Abiad begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Sadok, and Sadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliad, and Eliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Matthan, and Matthan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ." And again, in introduction here, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the significance of this genealogy, right? And we're going to focus more on the application side of it. But just in introduction, there is a lot going on in the opening chapter of Matthew, uh, just in these few verses. And what's significant, uh, just from a technical standpoint of Matthew's genealogy, Matthew's genealogy spells out Christ's legal right to the throne through the line of Joseph. So again, when you compare this to the other uh, genealogy, which we'll mention um, here in a minute, you have Jesus right uh, to the throne uh, through, Matthew's, uh, through the genealogy that's listed here through the line of Joseph. Uh, You have the virgin birth, you have the names of Jesus Christ, the relationship to fulfillment as you go through the rest of of the story of Christ's birth and all that's held here together. And as we think of even his name, Matthew doesn't point this out for us, but I believe this is highlighted uh, later in the other genealogy uh, that we have recorded in the Gospels. But he points out, right, who was born Jesus, who is called the Christ? And again, one writer said this, On this occasion, the name was not to be left to the discretion of the parents. For this child is special and had a destiny that is expressed in the meaning of his name. And that's why he's called Jesus. He came to save his people from their sins. So Matthew gives us the legal right to the throne of David through his stepfather, Joseph. Joseph was his stepfather, okay? And so what was the point then? Why is Luke, why is there another genealogy, right? As you read through the Gospels, the Gospels kind of fit together. Why do we have a genealogy in Matthew and then another genealogy in the book of Luke? Well, because when you get to the book of Luke, Luke gives us his real bloodline. It traces the genealogy through Mary's family line. Bloodline to David uh, through Mary. It couldn't come, right, through Joseph's line because Jeconiah was cursed. Jeremiah 22, 30, his seed would not rule. So amazingly, God, through how he directed through history, brought the bloodline through Mary's line and the legal right to the throne through Joseph's line, thus Jesus' right to the throne. And what a beautiful picture that is. And again, we're not going to get into all that, but we're going to focus on God's grace. How do we see God's grace at work through the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1? First thing that we see, the first principle, we see that the lives of Abraham and David are evidence of grace. What is grace? Grace is God's undeserved goodness. <laughs> when we think about the lives of Abraham, and David. Uh, Look at verse 1 of the genealogy. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Two of the main players in the genealogy in the history of Israel and Jesus Christ coming to earth. The lives of Abraham and David are evidence of grace. And when we use the names, when we mention David and Abraham. I don't know about you, but it's just kind of, there's an awe-inspiring feeling of perhaps men who I can't, I don't quite rise to that level, right? It's kind of how we feel. Men who were greatly used by God, yet how is David, David's life, an evidence of the grace of God? Well, David, folks, he sinned horribly, did he not? He committed adultery with Bathsheba, later had her husband murdered, trying to cover it up. So he could take her eventually as his wife. But that's not David's only failure. Guess where else David failed? David also failed in parenting. Evidenced most obviously by his own son Absalom. What did Absalom do? Absalom revolted against his father, basically ran him out of town and tried to take over the kingdom for who? For himself. His son Solomon, who after David passed, took the throne, was led away from the worship of God by doing what? He married, Scripture tells us, he married many pagan women. Women who didn't even, had no care, no desire for worship of God. And shortly after Solomon's reign, the kingdom was divided, never to be reunited. Yet, folks, God chose David. Why? Because God's work is about his grace. Him changing us. David was a man who had many failures and weaknesses just like you and I. Yet God used him anyway. Folks, that is grace. What about Abraham? He lied about his wife, said she was his sister. He tried to fulfill God's promise of a coming child, of a child of promise with Hagar rather than his wife. Abraham's son Isaac gave birth to Jacob. Whose twelve sons became the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. And these twelve men that became the names of the tribes of Israel, these were the ones who did what to Joseph? They sold him into slavery. So, folks, through David's family, through Abraham's family, there were a slew of sinners and unfaithful people. Yet God was faithful to what? God is always faithful to his promise. Through what? Through grace. Undeserved goodness in favor of God, folks. What a blessing, what a comfort. So what to, something to be thankful for. Folks, God's choice God's working, God's grace. It's not about who we are. It's not about the kind of person I am. It's not about what I have to offer, but it's about what God has done for me through his saving grace. And you see it highlighted through these different ones that are mentioned in this genealogy, folks. That is grace. Jesus is the only one who could take care of those sins. So he came through the line of who? Of sinful men born through a line of sinful men to evidence his grace and his love to us. But what else do we see? Secondly, that's, that's the leaders that we think of when it comes to Jesus Christ's line, Abraham and David. But what about perhaps some more insignificant characters as far as the story goes in our minds as we think of it? Those are the big big names that come to our mind. But we also see secondly... There are the lives of four women that are evidence of God's grace as well. Look at verse 3 of of Matthew chapter 1. It says this, And Judas begat Faraz and Zerah of who? Tamar. And Faraz begat Ezra, and Ezra begat Aram. Tamar. Who was Tamar? Tamar was a Gentile daughter-in-law of Judah. Judah's son, okay, if you remember the story, Judah's son was to become her husband. But it never happened. So what did she do? Tamar played the part of a prostitute, and Judah lay with her, and she had twins, right? Perez and Zerah, or Perez and Perez, as we see them here in the text. And Tamar. Uh, so these, these people, Fares, uh, Perez, and Tamar, are part of the messianic line, <laughs> amazingly. Despite her sinful actions of prostitution, folks, God using man's sinfulness, I don't know what else you call that, but what? That's grace. Undeserved and folks, that's every one of us. We're all sinners. We deserve to be separated from God. Yet God, through his amazing grace, saves and changes. That's nothing but a work of grace. What about Rahab? Look at verse uh, verse 5. And Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab or Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. Rahab. Rahab was a Gentile and a prostitute by profession. That was how she made her money. Yet, she saved the lives of two spies. And God saved her and her family and did what? Didn't just save her, but here we have Rahab. A Gentile proselyte to the Jewish faith brought into the family of God, not just into the family of God, but into the Messianic line itself. What an amazing story. And verse 3 makes it clear. She married Salmon, and God gave them a son, Boaz. And who was Boaz? Boaz was the great-grandfather of David himself. You realize that? David's great grandfather was Boaz, and Boaz was the son of a Gentile prostitute, Rahab. What do you call that? Folks, that is grace. God's undeserved goodness and favor that every one of us have experienced if you're his child here tonight. What about another one we see mentioned also? Uh, look at verse 5. And Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of who? Of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. We also have Ruth here mentioned. Ruth was a Gentile Moabite, and she was the one now who married Boaz, her first husband. A Jewish man died. She accepted the Lord as her God and returned with Naomi to Israel. Jewish men were not to marry such women, right? That was not the general, generally accepted practice. Yet God, in his what? In his grace brought her into the line of the Messiah, and Ruth was thus the grandmother of David himself. What a thought. There's nothing else to describe that other than grace. God's undeserved favor. One more example of this. Look at verse 6. And Jesus begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias of Uriah, right? So, so, and very interesting to me that it points this out. Doesn't name her specifically, but says he begat Solomon of who? Highlighting who she came from. Bathsheba, the husband, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, she committed adultery with David, the first child of that immoral union. When that first child was born, God said, That child is going to die as a consequence of your sin. The first child died, but their son Solomon became the next king of Israel, and thus also in the messianic line. Folks, in God's grace, He uses sinners. Why should we be thankful for that? Because we're all sinners. Christ's genealogy is full of grace and God's goodness before we even get to Jesus Christ and why he came. God uses sinners to accomplish his purpose. And then we get to verse 16. And we see Mary mentioned in verse 16. It says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. The life of Mary as well is the evidence of grace. She was chosen to be the mother of Jesus, his real flesh and blood mother. And some have claimed, right, some like to claim that in some special way, Mary was somehow not born in sin herself. But folks, how Mary was a sinner just like you and me. No doubt she was trusting in and following God, yet by her own admission, Mary herself, the mother of Jesus, knew she herself needed a Savior. Listen to her own words in Luke 1, verses 46 and 47. It says this. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God.'" My Savior. And as Mary herself gave birth to that child, she knew that she as well, just like anyone else, was in need of the grace of God through Jesus Christ himself. The only grace that Mary had in her life came from her Savior, no deity of her own. She is no different than anyone else. A sinner in need of the grace of God, just like each and every one of us. Yet, folks, amazingly, God did what? He used her anyway. Just like he uses us. We have much to be thankful for. You're noticing a theme here. No doubt God's grace Chose her for a special opportunity, birthing not only her Savior, but your Savior, my Savior. But she, still a sinner, was saved by the grace of God. What wonderful truth. So as we look at this, folks, this whole genealogy, if you think about the history, right? And I've just touched on some of it. We could spend the whole night going through we kind of skipped over the whole section, all the kings of Israel that were mentioned. And the ups and the downs that are evidenced there, all stories of the grace of God. This whole genealogy is nothing but a testimony to God's grace and goodness in spite of what? In spite of sinful men and women. The history recorded here goes from Abraham... To David, then from David to the Babylonian captivity, and from the captivity to the time of Christ. And what is it that we see throughout this whole genealogy? Folks, men may fail, men will fail, but what prevails? God's grace. And we would do well to remember that as we look around in our own lives, at the lives of those around us. The encouraging things, the discouraging things, the weaknesses, the failures, the strength, folks. All of it is due to what? To God's grace at work in our hearts and lives. That's what saves. That's what changes. So what are the lessons we can take from this? The history of man is full of what? Man's history is full of sin. Yours, mine, everyone who's ever lived, man's history is full of sin. And yes, this goes for your life as well. It goes for mine. We all have failures. We all have weaknesses. But folks, when we come to this time of year, Thanksgiving and going into the Christmas season, we have much to be thankful for, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And thank God for his grace this week. All that we have in our lives, physically and spiritually, is due to the grace of God and him being faithful to do what he said he would do in spite of the sinfulness of man that we see in the history of the line he came through. He chose to come anyway to provide salvation for you and for me. What wonderful truth that is. So folks, secondly, the second lesson is this. Where man fails, God's grace prevails. What's the point? Folks, when we apply this to our lives personally, in your failures, in your sin, don't wallow and get lost in that. It's easy to get discouraged when we start looking in the mirror. Anybody else, you ever get discouraged when you look in the mirror? Okay. Folks, when you start to get discouraged and introspective and focus and see where your failures, where you're weak, where you fail, where you sin, where you're not where you ought to be, folks, what is the answer to that? The answer is not within you, the answer is in the grace of God. Just like it was for each and every person mentioned in this genealogy. Their weakness and their failures, God was working in spite of it. And that that leads us to the third lesson, folks. We ought to be thankful that God works in spite of us, not because of us. God is at work. Through the ups, through the downs, through our weaknesses, through our failures, as we continue to look to him, it's a work of his grace that carries us through. Why? We don't have anything to offer to him. He is the one who has come and given everything to us. And may we as God's people live in light of that and be thankful for his goodness and his grace that's evident every day in our hearts and in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Father, we do thank you for your grace and your mercy that's work, That's at work in our hearts and lives, uh, for your honor and for your glory and for your goodness uh, that we in no way deserve and we thank you that in your your wisdom and in your grace you provided a way through you sent your son even through a long history of sinful men you were faithful to your promise to send a seed who would be the answer man's need, and it was Jesus Christ himself. Would you help us to glory in his work on the cross and the salvation that's been provided through him for your honor and your glory, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.